year at this time, a great many jokes go around about the wise men. Perhaps you have seen them floating out there on the internet. Mainly these jokes mock the gifts that they brought to the infant Jesus. There's the old feminist joke. If they had been three wise women, they would have asked for directions, arrived on time, cleaned the stable, and made a casserole. There are goofy jokes, like the cartoon of the three magi standing at the door of the stable, looking in at Joseph, Mary, and the baby, all of whom look frightened. One king is holding gold and the other a box with myrrh in it. The third is holding the hand of a large green guy with bolts in his neck. The first magi says to the third, I said frankincense. Yes, they are corny. <laughs> and there are plenty more where those came from, friends. But those jokes point to some serious stuff. After all, why did the Magi bring gifts? Gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, which seem like the most ridiculous gifts for a newborn. Well, the Magi have received news that there is a new king. And they travel from their own country, probably the kingdom of Sheba, modern-day Yemen, there is much speculation about the roles of the Magi, but it's likely that the Magi came as envoys from their country, bringing gifts from their own country as a sort of diplomatic offering from their kingdom to the new king of Judea. These were expensive gifts, worthy of a king. And because they believed that they were visiting a king, they went to the seat of power, Jerusalem, to find him. Can you imagine what they thought they were going to find after all that travel? A king, a palace, a royal welcome, a powerful family, jewels. They came prepared for all of that, and so they brought gifts worthy of a king. And imagine their shock, perhaps even disappointment, when they learn that the new king is not in Jerusalem, but in a backwater town, Bethlehem. Imagine how surprised they were when the star stops over a humble home, not a palace. But still, when they see the child with Mary, the wise men kneel down and pay homage, giving the infant the gifts they had brought for a king, which must have seemed suddenly a bit silly. Though I love all the many corny jokes and cartoons about the Magi, I think my favorite portrait of them comes someplace more serious in the poem, The Journey of the Magi by T.S. Eliot. In this poem, Eliot imagines the thoughts of one Magi looking back on the long journey they took to find a king. 
At the end of the poem, written from the vantage point of many years after meeting the infant Jesus, the Magi says, all this was a long time ago, I remember, and I would do it again. But set down this, set down this. Were we led all that way for birth or death? There was a birth, certainly. We had evidence and no doubt. I had seen birth and death, but had thought that they were different. This birth was hard and bitter agony for us, like death, our death. We returned to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease. In this poem, Eliot captures the epiphany of the Magi. They aren't just envoys bringing gifts to a new king to smooth over diplomatic relations. Suddenly, they are witnesses to an upending of all they know, a king come as a vulnerable infant, a king who does not rule through fear, a king come for all people, a king who has death in his birth, his self-sacrificial death and crucifixion, yes, but also death for us dying to ourselves, death to our old way of being. Seeing this infant as a king means that all must change. So what sort of gift do you bring this kind of king? Now, gold and frankincense and myrrh don't make much sense. What kind of gift can you imagine bringing to an infant, a king who calls us to die to our old selves, even as he brings us new life? What shall we, what shall you, I, bring to this child, this king, this epiphany, this year. The Magi brought what they thought was worthy of a king, gold and incense and oil. What do you think is worthy? I know that sometimes what I think I ought to bring to God is my perfect self. I think that I should work harder and harder to be better and better. But to our God who came as an infant, a baby who requires tenderness and care, perhaps what we might bring instead of our brittle perfectionism is our own vulnerable selves, our real selves. And what might that look like?
Well, it might look like a lot of things, but I know one thing. It means giving our hearts to God. And here are two suggestions for how to give your warm, vulnerable, beating heart to Him. Be honest. Be honest with Jesus in prayer. Sit quietly. Let God search your heart. Share where things have gone wrong. Share your sorrow. Share your questions. Offer your wounds, your sins, your hurts. Sit quietly. You don't even have to speak and allow God to see it all. All that you are, really are. And trust God to heal and forgive and love. And then give God the gift of your heart given to others. For we know that we love God when we see the face of Christ in one another, treat one another as Christ. Now this probably means providing help, money, food, time, but it means first of all being vulnerable to others not treating them like problems to be solved or fixed, but people to love. Give your heart away. Give it away to those who make you angry, those who make you nervous, those who seem weird or different or annoying. Treat each one tenderly like you would treat a newborn infant. The Magi, poor guys, came with gifts worthy of a king, but the gifts were all wrong for what they found was a baby an infant Messiah whose coming changed the world, changes lives, our lives, forever. In Him is our end and our beginning. So what can we ever possibly bring Him? The only thing, the only thing our loving, vulnerable God wants, our hearts,